You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thanks for your word, your gift to us, that we might know you, that we might know the fullness of God, that we might know his, his exact uh, imprint, Jesus, in the form of man. And so today, would you shape our hearts? Would you uh, continue to, to form us around who you are and what you've done for us? And let, let us live a life that reflects that. And today, would you show us that cheerful generosity flows through grace received? We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. My dog, his name's uh, Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He's the prince of preachers. Um, we, uh, a few weeks ago, I said if we had named him again, we would call him uh, Bob Barker, right? Um, because he, he just barks a lot. I think that would be a good name for a dog. Um, in fact, he, he is bewildering, and, and uh, whenever I talk about it around the office, Pastor Scott laughs because it, it just increases my heart rate just to talk about my dog. He, he barks a lot, but in particular, he barks at the, the TV when there's anything that's not human on it. And so you'd be like, well, how, I mean, how many commercials or whatever don't have humans? Uh, apparently, all of them. You just can't imagine. And you might be like, if you're at my house and you'd be like, oh, that's cute. Look, he, he stands on two legs for an indefinite period of time, and he just barks at the TV above him. And it would be cute, but it's, it's not cute over time. And so he does that. Uh, any, any cartoon, we can't watch uh, Zootopia, we tried, we just couldn't, right, we couldn't watch it, um, and he just doesn't have it, and so, and the, the thing in me is like, if I could, if I could just let him see, like, what's real, he, he thinks that these people, these dogs, these whatever, are, are in our living room, and so I pick him up, I show him behind the TV, <laughs> look, there's nothing there, like, everything short of, like, just letting him just destroy the TV, right, but but he, his perspective is off, all right? He, he needs eyes to see, but he does not have them to see, all right? Um, and so that, that's frustrating, but, but I really can't blame him because we also see things with perspectives that aren't quite cued to greater realities. And one major way that we do that is the way that we, we misperceive um, giving and receiving, and the things that we have, and the kingdom of God with the kingdom of earth, and all of the stuff uh, inside of that. And so, we've heard it said, uh, this is like a, a normal saying in life, but it's also from, from God's word and, and from Jesus himself, it's better to give than it is to receive. And, and, and you might say, that, hey, it's better to give than to receive, and, and that's, that's true, and we can see benefit in that. But at the same time, it's, it's also nice to receive, all right? And in our flesh, we might say, it's, it's actually much nicer to receive than it is to give. And, and if you're not saying that, there's just one modification that I can make to this statement that I think, for me, allows it to, like, resonate a, l- a little better. It's better to keep than to give. And then I'm like, no, that's just true, right? right? Maybe it's not better to give than to receive, but it is better to keep than to give. And, and can you blame us? 
the, the culture in which we were raised is a, 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 cap, a capitalism culture, which says uh, work hard and earn much and, and keep much and protect much and retire early and live the good life. That, that's, that's what we tell our kids. That's what we've been told. That, that's, that's the American dream in front of us, right? Um, and sure, you may say something like this. You, you may say, uh, I actually like my job. And so, uh, and, and I would say, that's great. Or you may say, I, I'm just trying to eat tomorrow. I'm not trying to whatever. I, I'm just trying to get by. And I, I, would, I, I totally get that, right? Not everybody's going to, to lead a startup that sells for billions of dollars. Like, I, I understand that. Um, but, but the nature of the kingdom in which we are, 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 are made, in which we grow, in which we gain our lenses for, for stewardship and financial basics and all of life is built around these principles. That, that the more we have, the better we are. Or at least the more we have, the better off we are. Right? Um, and to be clear... I am, uh, th- this is in no way political, all right? I use the word capitalism, all right? Um, I'm not minimizing uh, th- those uh, ideologic perspectives. In fact, I encourage my kids to work hard, all right? And, and I tell them that, that what they do often contributes to what, what they have. And so we, we encourage them to work hard and to trust God. But at the same time, because we live by a kingdom that, that's not of this world, and everything around us points to that kingdom, the kingdom of the earth, because of that, then our life goals in Christ, they can't be to, to just gain and keep as much of this life as possible. Instead, we get to use the means of this life, all the stuff around us, to invest in the kingdom of God. And you might say, well, there it is. And I could say, well, we can just stop there. Just do that. Just go and live for the kingdom of God and stop being stingy and selfish. But, but if you know anything about you or humanity, that's not how we change. There's this little, uh, this little skit from years back, um, Bob Newhart, uh, and he's, he's a counselor. Don't look it up now, but maybe later. He's a counselor, and this woman comes in, and she said, I, I've, I've got major problems. And he says, first of all, um, you know, it's, uh, he, he tells the terms, this won't take more than five minutes. And she says, well, okay, and, and it's going to be five dollars, and, and okay. And then he says, so what's your problem? She says, I, I'm, I'm afraid of being buried alive. And he says, have you, ever, have, you ever been, have you ever been buried alive? She says, no. He's like, okay. And he says, well, we'll go on. She says, I'm just, I'm just afraid of being put, you know, like, I, I won't increase your fears, but put into a box and, and buried alive. And he says, well, I, I, think we can, I think we can fix this. And he just screams. He said, I have three words for you. He says, just stop it. Stop doing that. Why would you want to be buried? Why would you want to live out of that fear? And she's like, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to. And he says, well, just, just stop it. Oh, oh, okay. Well, three minutes. She said, well, I would like to take the full five minutes. And he says, fine. She said, I have some other problems as well. And she goes on. She says, I, you know, I, I, I don't eat. You don't eat. And he, and he goes on. And he says, well, I, I think I have the answer. You may want to write this down. Stop it. Just stop it. You need to eat. And, and then she talks about other issues. And so he, I, I say all that to say that is not how our hearts work. And if you think that like, gosh, today I'm, I'm just going to live more generously. That, that's, not how, that's not how it works. That's not how people 
change. That's not how our actions flow, all right? We need to see differently in order to live differently. But, but the good news is, and I promise we'll get to 2 Corinthians. I promise, all right? The good news is Jesus came to give us different lenses, right? He, he came to give us, uh, to change the essence of our heart. And, and, and he did that by, by giving his own life and giving us a new life. And, and we have to look no further than, than just the most basic fundamental thing that, that whether you're a Christian in our culture or not, you've probably heard this, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his, his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he did not come to condemn, but he came to save it. Right? And in that, we see a bunch of things. We see some assumption. We see that the, the, the current trajectory of our life is, is one that leads to death. Because Jesus came, God so loved the world that he, that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish. The assumption is, you're going to perish. Apart from this saving work, that's where you're headed. So he came to, to undo that, alright? God sent, and, and really importantly, Jesus went as a willing participant Right, in the rescue, to save us from our sin, to give us new lenses, to give us new hearts, to give us a new life that reflects a new kingdom for a new king. And so for us, as we think about this stuff today, and it's kind of a, a part two of last week's sermon as, as Paul's writing uh, chapter 8 and then chapter 9 uh, to the letter to the Second Corinthians, he's talking about uh, generosity and this, this offering that we're, that we're going to look at. And so what I want you to know is, is, there, is there is a different way to live. And we don't, have to be, um, we don't have to be constrained by just trying to get by in this life, but, but this, this life in response to what Jesus has done for us, it can spur us to have joy in little and in plenty, and it can allow us to embrace truths that cut across the, the grain of our culture, right? That we can, too, have a, an, an actual desire to give that reflects the generosity of God. And so today we're just looking at this really simple truth that cheerful generosity flows through grace received. So if you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I just want to speed through these first five verses real quick. Um, basically, he, he's setting up, he, he says, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints so he's saying, it's, it's, it, we kind of don't even have to do this, yet I'm going to. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. Um, and, and he goes on, he says, as your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter. So that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise... If some Macedonians come with me to collect the offering for the poorer saints and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. There's like all kinds of stuff in there, but... But uh, one commentator summarized Paul's motives this way. It's, it's a little humorous. He says, Paul continues to discuss the contribution through chapter 9. 
right? They're, they're collecting an offering to give to the poorer saints. He says he's using every tool at his disposal to ensure the success of this, that, that lots of money comes in, that they can take it from them and give it to those in need. Including, but not only in appeal to God's own generosity, which we'll talk about, and the beauty of cheerful giving, but also in anticipation of the embarrassment that would result if the Corinthians' contributions were not forthcoming. And so it's, it's, it's kind of funny. He says, all right, so we don't have online giving, all right, so you can't just set up a recurring payment, but, but we're asking you to give to this particular thing, all right? And we're going to go there, and we're going to collect it. And I'm, I'm just thinking, I don't, I don't know what this looks like, but their money is probably a little less fluid than ours because they can't be like, oh, you got Venmo? Okay, I'll, all right? And so they have to prepare a little bit. So he says, prepare, set money aside, do what you have to do, so that when we get there, you have a gift to give. Because can you imagine how humiliated I would be if I told them that, man, no, these these people, the Corinthians, they're going to come through. Like, they're wealthy, and they're generous, and we're really hoping that their gift is going to go a long way in your life. Um, and so they go to pick up the money, and they're like, oh, was that, was that today? Right? Paul's like, don't you dare embarrass me. That's what he's saying. But in this, so he's like tidying up the details from chapter 8. Um, but the beauty of this is it's just the humanity of the local church. And every time I see things like this, I think... It's just the logistical nature of, of, of giving to a church in need. And so uh, we see it play out here, but it's just such a neat thing to see the humanity that some things, gosh, they just don't change that much from uh, century to century and, and on and on. And so he said we're going to send a few people ahead just to make sure that you guys are in order um, and then uh, act like you expected them. And then at the end in verse 5 he says this, Arrange in advance the gift you have promised. We learn a bunch of stuff from this. Arrange in advance the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. I mean, we all talk like that, right? You've all used the word exaction this week, right? So, um, so arrange in advance, which means prepare a little bit, intentionally, ahead of time. The gift that you have promised, remember like you gave us your word, you fill out the little thing and says, I'm going to give X amount of dollars, all right? Um, or, or whatever you've said in your heart. So that it may be ready, so that when we get there, like it's done ahead of time, and then and we get to the heart of it. As a willing gift, not as an exaction. And what this means is, we want this to, to come from you because you desire it to come from you not because you have to. The word exaction is like a, a, a greed term, and it, and it means by demand. It's not, we're not twisting your arm, but we want this gift to be from you as, uh, not, not as a demand. And so the, the big idea is, is the posture of a generous heart is both ready and willing, all right? Th this is kind of like where all of the generosity that, that he's asking for and he's getting ready to paint out and in uh, finer detail, it, it starts with, with our hearts. And he says, I want you to be willing participants in this generosity. All right? And I want, you to be, I want you to be ready, that's prepared in advance, and I want you to be willing, that is something that you're desiring to do, not something that you're coerced to do. So I, I just ask, as we think about this stuff and as we move on in just a second, um, when you consider 
generosity? Is it prepared? And does it come from a joyful desire? Because if you, if you sift, you might say, oh, yeah, uh, oh, you know, is that, is that today? You might say that a lot more than you think. And, and secondarily, you might, you might give a little more begrudgingly than you think. So I just ask you uh, to consider that. Now, now Paul kind of goes on a tangent, and he, he separates uh, the, the idea of the Macedonians and the, and the offering that he's collecting, and then he really just begins to summarize how the church gets to view generosity in general. And so we're going to have kind of four points under this. Uh, principles of a cheerful giver. And, and he just goes on and he says, gosh, w- when you give, think about it this way, and this way, and this way, and this way. So we're just going to look and we're going to learn together. Um, I didn't get to preach last week, but Eugene Peterson, he summarized a line in chapter 8 like this. He says, the heart regulates the hands, right? The heart regulates the hands, but the hands reveal the heart. And I just think that is a really good perspective as we consider what it looks like for us to live generous lives. You guys all right? Has it been an hour and a half yet? Uh, let's read just verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So this is the first principle. Seed sown yields crop grown. This is a, a thing, it's called the law of the harvest, and it's, it's farmer's principle. That's why most of us have no idea what it's talking about, all right? But it, it's, it's pretty simple. On one hand, it, it's simple. You reap what you sow. That's, this, is, this is harvest. If you aren't sowing, uh, if, you, if you throw no seed out, it's impossible for anything to grow. That's pretty simple. You don't have to be a farmer to know that. But, but what Paul's doing is he's making this connection to generosity. He's saying, if you aren't sowing generosity, then there's nothing to reap from generosity. But man, when we start talking like that, there is, there is danger. Uh, danger is lurking. And so I, I want to, uh, to point to, to something that happened this week. This week, a, a very famous pastor, he said these words. You ready for this? He said, those who give should do so simply because they love Jesus, or they shouldn't give at all. I think giving has become such a gimmick that it's making me sick to my stomach. This is this, is this guy, remember. It's time we say it like this. The gospel is not for sale, and the blessings of God are not for sale, and the miracles are not for sale, and prosperity is not for sale. Right? And, and because I know you kind, winsome, wise students of the Bible here at the Village Church, I, I know that you would, look, you would hear that and you would be like, right on, right? You might even be like, amen, the gospel's not for sale. That's good news, okay? Um, but what's crazy about this quote is it comes from a guy called Benny Hinn. And, and Benny Hinn has spent three decades trying to swindle people out of their money in the name of Jesus. If you look up, like, the prosperity gospel in your Encyclopedia Britannica, 
or on the internet, you're going to see, you're going to see his face. For decades, he's promised to, to listeners their financial breakthrough for investing in him and his ministry. He comes to a place this week, and look, I, I'm not judging the, the dude's heart. He could fly off the rails this week. I, it looked like repentance, all right? I, I have no idea. Other than to say, uh, amen, the gospel is not for sale. Right? And whether that comes from Benny Hinn or anybody else, that, that is good news and that is true. And so, so we can sift through and we can sit under the word. We can come to clear conclusions that, that this, we never give so that we might receive. Right? If, you're, if your posture in giving is, I'm going to give, but only so that I might receive, you're, you're missing it all. All right? And it's, it's possible that generosity can breed generosity, but, but uh, a couple things, I want to give you two that kind of help us, help, help us with this. We have to be sure that we are considering the proper currency, all right? When, when you read, it's more blessed to give, uh, or you're more blessed to give than, than you are to receive, that's not indicating a safe return on investment. If you give to, to God's kingdom, if you give to people, if you give to the poor, if you give to the church, it, it's not, I'm going to do this, man, and I, honey, I hope it pays off. That, that is not where our generosity comes from. Uh, we have to remember that the same one who installed these kingdom principles said this, uh, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the poor. So, so, so to give so that you might gain uh, in, in your savings balance, you, you might want to read not the fine print, but the heart behind the principle, all right? Uh, and the second thing is, is we get to give in hopes that we might receive so that we might have more resource to give. And we see this swirling around this whole chapter. I want to say that one more time. We get to give in hopes that we might receive so that we might have more resource to give. And I just want you to think for just a second, can you imagine the freedom from this world if we held it so loosely in, in all of life that we live so generously that, that we might say, gosh, you know, like if we, if we scatter no seeds of generosity, then how will the, the generosity uh, bear fruit and flow? Can you imagine being able to say, gosh, I, I'm given this, sacrificially to, to, to whatever uh, kingdom endeavor it is in hopes, yeah, sure, in hopes that that might reap a harvest so that I might be able to give all the more. But see, I, I can hear you under your breath because I can hear me under my breath. And this is what you might be saying. Yeah, it, but if I, just had, if I just had enough, then I would gladly do that. If I just had a little bit more than, oh, you better believe, than I, would, than I would give all the more away. And if God allowed me to be, uh, to, to receive, you know, some, some earthly benefit from that, man, how great would it be that I would give all the more? The problem with that understanding, and I totally get it, the problem with that is it's just not what the Bible teaches. And in, in fact, the charge is to be faithful with whatever you have, right? 
It's not just, yeah, but it's easier to be faithful when you don't have to think about it. That's, that's not true because we're looking at things uh, by, by the ledger and not by the motives of our heart. And that's the problem. And so Jesus wasn't really concerned with the ledger. He was concerned with the motives of our heart. Um, Sam Storms, in, in his commentary on 2 Corinthians, he said this, One thing that will undermine the outworking of this principle, that is like the harvest principle, is the lie that a $100,000 salary must be accompanied by a $100,000 lifestyle. As John Piper has said, God has made us to be conduits of his grace, and we're going to see that. The danger is, is in thinking that the conduit should be lined with gold. It shouldn't. Copper will do just fine. The second principle we see is, is self-determined and cheerful. So I'm going to read verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, see no one has unlimited resource. And, and guilt isn't the persuasive argument here, not by any means. So, so let me go back to Benny Hinn, and I'm going to give you the setup, all right? Recently, however, Hinn made a stunning reversal. This is what led to his repentance. Saying that today, all you hear about is a feel-good message of how to build the flesh, which is all about feel good, do good, make money, he said. I'm correcting my own theology and you need all to know about it. It's an offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give a thousand or whatever amount because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. I think that it hurts the gospel. He said he no longer cares about what people think of him, and he recognizes he now won't get invited to places, <laughs> which is just good. Uh, if I hear one more time, break the back of debt with $1,000, I'm going to rebuke them, Benny Hinn said. I think that's buying the gospel. That's buying the blessing. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. The gospel is not for sale. Now I say all that to say, don't go building your theology of stewardship around Benny Hinn, all right? But he makes, he, he proves the point. That, that for somebody to say, this is the amount, and that makes a lot of us uncomfortable, and, and for whatever reason, it makes a lot of people uh, drawn to action, because, oh, Benny Hinn's done all right for himself, okay? And so, he's saying exactly, it's not about the amount, it's about the motive of your heart. That's what, that's what Paul's saying, it's self Determined. I want to read it again. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. All right, and so we look at the Bible, and the parables paint out the same thing. They tell us that, that pennies from a poor widow yield wildly more God glory than millions from a billionaire. And again, if you're looking at the ledger, that doesn't add up. You're like, what are we going to Great. Somebody threw some pennies and lint. In, in our little black cast iron mailboxes. And, and I mean to tell you, on Monday, 
if Matt looked into one of these and, and there were millions in there, all right, he would be pretty excited to come and talk to Scott and I uh, in our office about the millions of dollars and all that we could do, all right? But what, again, posture of heart, motivated by the heart, not, not the ledger, pennies from a poor widow yield wildly more God glory than millions from a billionaire. And, and I don't care how many parks you can build. I don't care how many uh, uh, shoes or, or eyeglasses or vaccines the millions can purchase. That's not the glory of God. All right? And all those things are great. Because we have limit, we have to choose. Because we have limited resources, we get to choose. God isn't a, a flat tax guy. God's not a guy at all. But, but he's not a flat tax guy, but he's a heart motivation guy. And so, so we get to first choose what we give to. The Macedonians, all right? The nonprofit down the block, the local church. We get, we get to choose. We get to choose how often you give, the rhythms, uh, you get to choose how much. No, I'm like a, a, a 10 percent, or I'm, I'm a tithe guy, or I'm uh, an, an abundance guy, or I start with 90 percent and I live off 10 percent, or, or whatever it is. And, and so we get to choose those things independently, self-determined, no one else. Not Benny Hinn, not Michael Graham, not, not anybody else gets to, to determine how much you give. Paul proves the point that, that gathered resources, they, they may well go further than scattered resources, which is why he uses the local church as his primary mission strategy to advance his kingdom, right? But, but he also uses other agencies of blessing and justice as well. And so to be clear, if you're part of the family and the mission of the village, uh, we want you to contribute to the family and the mission of the village, Right? Is this the part where I go off the rails and just talk about money and, and we do a campaign? It, it's not. But, but as family members in your own family, everyone contributes. And that's also true for the body of Christ, that we get to give and we get to contribute. But we get to do that uh, readily and willingly. How much? How often? To whom? I can't tell you that. And, and I won't tell you that. And that's the beauty of the liberty that, that God is giving us through Paul in writing to the Corinthians. Uh, what, what we get to do is we get to decide to give in advance. That means we need to be intentional about it. We, need, we get to adv- advance God's mission, and we get to do it in this way. Uh, bountifully, because that's what it says. Uh, as you have decided in your own heart, because that's what it says. Not reluctantly, because that's what it says. And we get to do it cheerfully. And then as we read on in verse 8 and 9, it says this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And the reason that God is able to do that is because although our resources are limited, God's resources have no limits, which, which spills us over into the third uh, principle, and that is this, all is from God. Every good gift is from the Lord. A- everything that you have is, is from God, and, and that, may, uh, that may not be... Um, 
Let's just look. Uh, starting in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. If we are, if we are able to embrace this understanding that all is from God, if we can put it deep into our soul, then God's grace will flood the self out of our hearts. You have nothing that wasn't gifted to you. And, and I'm sure you could show me your resume, and I'm sure you could tell me how you overcame a lot, and I'm sure you could tell me how, how great of a, of a worker you are, or how skilled you're, you are in your, your labor and your endeavor, endeavors. I totally get all of it, right? I know that you work harder than other people, right? What we understand when we look at this thing from cover to cover is that the desire for you to earn those things is from the Lord, right? And I'm not minimizing hard work. I'm, I'm elevating hard work. And in fact, this is what this says, that, that the fruit of this generosity abounds in every good work that we get to because we're gospel people, all right, we're transformed in our hearts, in our minds, it shows up in our hands, we get to do good work, and we get to, to work hard in all that we do. But, but if we could understand this, that, that everything is from God, then it levels us. Not to look down on others who don't work like we do or don't uh, accumulate the wealth that we do, but we understand what a gift. God, what a gift you've given me. Right? And it might not be my, like my neighbor to the right or like my neighbor to the left, but this is what you've given me. Right? And as much as I can do in my hands, and, I, and I've, I've committed to, to fashion the lifestyle that, that you have committed to fashion, God, all that, you, uh, all that I have is from you. Right? And so that gives us a heart that allows us to worship. And, and if that's true, then we get to let cheerful generosity flow through the grace that we have received. And, and what's the win? What is the win in that? Well, it, it may not be a million dollars, even though it may be a, a million dollars. Um, but this is what, what Paul tells us. An, an increased harvest of Bitcoin. It doesn't, it doesn't say Bitcoin. An increased harvest of righteousness. That we get to, in a greater way, reflect the glory of God through the righteousness that we have received from Jesus and we get to display in the life that we live. And then he says this, and you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. I think what that means, and if I was a prosperity